right, hey, what's up, guys? It's episode 11 of OWN. I'm back, your host with the most, uh, Mario, but we're not really here for that. Today, we got Alejandro. Alejandro is one of my good friends I've met, you know, throughout my years at Tech, and this man is business savvy, bro. He doesn't t- he doesn't talk too much about what he really wants to do, but you could tell he has a lot going on in his head. Straight off a of Bain internship, straight off a of Visa internship, uh, this man is great and he's really stellar. He's sharp too, and uh, if we got any single ladies on here, listening to the podcast, you know, hopefully looking <laughs> for them, man. I'll tell you. He's pretty tall. He's pretty tall. <laughs> this guy is too much. But nonetheless, uh, I want Ali to introduce himself. So yeah, um, thanks so much, Mara. Thanks for me, having me on here. Um, yeah, those internships are cool. I wouldn't say they define me fully. You know, a lot more to that. Um, and the business business side is uh, more so just like trying to see hard work pay off in a professional development sense. But obviously, there's more than that. Um, but in in uh, in quick summary, yeah, my name is Alejandro Hernandez, industrial engineer here at Georgia Tech. Um, found this guy Mario, dopest dope ass guy, and uh, we're here to talk about some some cool stuff that I got uh, top of mind. Yeah. So start off, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Give the listeners a little background. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm from Florida. I'm from South Florida. Um, born in Puerto Rico. But born and basically raised all my life in South Florida, a um, little place called Broward County. Uh, that's, I feel like, really representative of who I am, that place, um, due to the people that it attracts, the minorities it attracts, the belt, basically the melting pot it attracts. Um, it's really shaped me to be who I am today. Um, I am the first American of my family. Uh, my parents are Colombian. Um, my, if anyone knows much about that country, my mom is from Bogota and my dad is from Cali. Um, got the first, the first of uh, the first child, and um, really, sort of, that experience has um, given me a different perspective on life, um, and that's what I, I'm here to talk about. Yeah. So what? First off, I wanted to say. Broward County, you know, the home of Kodak, home of, like, Rick Ross. <laughs> yeah. Rick Ross is actually one of my favorite rappers. Yeah. But there's so, like, the way they talk about it and explain it and the way you talk about it are two different things. Mm-hmm. So, like, tell me a lot about, like, Broward County and what it means, not only what it means to you, but how you want people to see it in the future. Yeah, definitely. So... Broward County has a lot to it. Um, it's the county right next to Miami-Dade. Um, and I feel like it's a vibrant place in, in terms of the types of things that people are interested in. Uh, there's a lot of breath. Really just a, a whole bunch of different things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's best described of the culmination of people. It really brings about a different sense in what people are interested in. And so... There are a lot of people that show themselves through creative lenses. Um, I have friends who do drawing. Um, I have people who do painting. There are rappers. Um, and not just Kodak Black, not just Rick Ross, but also X, also Ski Mask, also uh, 
uh, man, uh, Wi-Fi's funeral, these big mm-hmm. names that are coming out. Um, but that's that's the part that people know of because music really brings us together. Um, but at the same time, yet there's really smart people like that are that want to study law that come out of Broward, Broward County. It's one of the top counties for for debate. So that should tell you something. Um, some really great. I mean, I played soccer for basically all my life. A lot of great soccer talent coming out of there too. Um, great basketball talent, great football talent, a lot of football talent. It's just basically a culmination of things. And I think the fact that there's so much diversity of perspective and uh, that melting pot that I mentioned before, it brings out the best in people because you can bounce off one another. Mm-hmm. So not only you yourself are is a first-gen American, but there's plenty of people just like that where you stay and you probably friends with a whole bunch of you know first-gen Americans as well. But just being in that state, I mean, I, my perspective, I've been in Florida, I've visited, and then, like, the stories I see now, especially, like, with popular media and the way they, like, dramatize a lot of the news there. What would you say, not only about the the news and how they talk about it, but how would you, how would you describe your experiences there or like just life in general compared to what you see like is it always wild and you know untamed Mm -hmm. or is there or do you just take that as like this is just my home and it is what it is and i'll rep it yeah that's that's a good point so i feel like um a lot of times when you have this culmination of different people like things will uh make the news for a bunch of different reasons. Like, look no further than uh, the Florida man meme, right? Just crazy stuff happens. Um, but there's there's a more beautiful side to it, I think, that comes from there. And so if you want to talk about, like, how people sort of want to perceive um, diversity and such and uh, what that brings about, I would argue that there's way many more pluses than uh, pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, diversity... It's not only about race. It's not only about skin color, but it's about perspective. It's about diversity of experiences more so, right? Where you come from is, is only a small, small factor in that. And so, yeah, sometimes it'll get the notion of being wild just because since there's people there that are interested in so many different things, um, part of those people are going to be people who want to wild out, and that's the thing that they're interested in. <laughs> and you'll definitely find that crowd there. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So... As far as you and like where you want to go in life, what first started, you know, or what was the inception of you starting to think like, uh, you know, I want to go work corporate and I want to be like business savvy. And where did that drive come from? Did it come from your childhood? And could you explain? Yeah. How it came about? <laughs> yeah. So I gave you a little hint about that prior to this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you were to talk about sort of my growing up really important to talk about where my uh sort of how my dad got to america right um and so that comes from the fact that when he was my age i think 18 17 uh his goal was his ultimate goal was to work in the united states um and so what that passes on to me is uh and sort of you do take after your parents whether you want to admit to or not like it's some small factor you do um, and he studied electrical engineering at La Javeriana, one of the best schools in Colombia. Um, and so for me, like, I've always been interested in, in that STEM side, in the tech side, 
in the computer science and the engineering side wouldn't name you but due to what my dad cherished and what my dad found success in ultimately because he fulfilled his dreams i think i can do the same by um, sort of getting that business mindset um, being able to make it in corporate america even though it is a strange place and then um, from there with that stamp of i can make it to here using that knowledge i can start my own thing i can do my own startup mm-hmm. i can leverage that yeah i can relate that too coming from immigrant family uh for you guys that don't know like my dad's from jamaica and my mom's from dominica which is a small island close to puerto rico um not many people really know about it and again not many people really know i don't really talk to that many people about like where i come from but it's such a huge part of who i am that it's always something sacred and special in my heart and i feel like they're drive and motivation and their hard work and me seeing that firsthand definitely it put a chip on my shoulder to like want to progress in my own career not only to make sure that i'm successful i don't have to worry about anything but to make sure that they don't have to work as hard as they are anymore absolutely yeah yeah, absolutely yeah and we can relate on that immigrant story like for sure um and so a lot of the times like with your family um, and mine, like they were sort of able to make it out of South America, the Caribbean. Um, and we want to sort of replicate the things that work for them because I love the life that, they, that my parents have given me. Like I'm living, I'm living it really fully. Um, I go to a really great school. I have great friends. I have like a really I sort of, I feel like I'm of a bright future ahead. And that's due to fully 100% the choices that my family made to put me in this position. And so what am I going to do? I have a responsibility to sort of make those same choices that will set my future family up for success. Yeah. It, one thing that I definitely want to stick to in my life is even though, you know, I could get status or something, it, it probably won't mean much to me because I'm more, I'm more focused on delivering the product and making sure that's the best thing that I that I could deliver but no matter how famous I get or what family always means so much to me and like being able to learn my culture and like where my family comes from is literally priceless to me to the point that I can make a million dollars I will not be at Nobu you will not find me at Nobu you won't find me at Houston's <laughs> you will find me you won't find me at Golden Crust because I don't like that. I only eat the authentic <laughs> shit. The, you, I love my beef patties, uh, jerk chicken, curry chicken, all that. That just reminds me of home, and it's for me. It's definitely giving me a preference of like street food, but also many other decisions in my life. Like some things, I realize that I like, even though it's popular and I might want it, do I really need it? And it's made me reconsider a lot of things just based off how my family assess these type of situations or how they uh, tackle these questions that I had as a kid. Like when I'd say, you know, I want new shoes or, you know, I want like a new TV or video games and all that. And like in my head, I didn't understand that I was, you know, even though I'm very privileged i'm able to like live a middle class life i'm able to you know be able to afford equipment to start a podcast and do things and 
spend on something that they couldn't even like take advantage of at the time. Just remembering to be humble and always remember where you came from. It's definitely left me grounded. It's definitely made me seek a deeper fulfillment in life, I would say. Absolutely. Would you say the same? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a saying, I don't really know it too well, but it's like uh, something about success is the result of standing on the shoulders of giants. And that can be your family. And and even, it doesn't even have to, like, I feel like mostly you feel that blood relatedness, but it doesn't even have to be blood related family. Like, you, I've made family here at Tech. I've made family within my friends uh, back home in Broward. I, I truly believe that it's due to that and sort of keeping up with, uh, what makes you you so yeah you you want the, that original beef patty <laughs> yeah that uh that makes you feel like home and that's the same reason why man restaurant i mean uh supermarkets like sedano's have you ever, have you ever been to sedano's i've never been no it's basically like this really hispanic uh supermarket and it's extremely popular in broward for this very same reasons like you want that you want that taste from home even if you are away from home mm-hmm. yeah. so I mean, now that we're, you know, college students, we kind of, it's so diverse that we don't even really think about it, but have you ever had at any times trying to relate to people that weren't, you know, uh, kids of immigrants? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's one of my greatest like pluses, uh, my fortes, I guess you could say, but that sounds a little bit weird. Now, like one of my strengths is what I would say, um, I really, I really try to, and I got this from, from uh, an organization called MLT, I try to lead with empathy, and that sort of, that's sort of shown in the way I like to talk to the janitor, even though I may or may not know him or her, the way I talk to my professors, the way I approach anybody in my life, new or old, um, even though we don't have the same perspective, even though we don't come from the same background, um, we do share similarities that we can bond over. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I truly believe that we're all in the end, uh, one human race. And so, exactly. Yeah. That's definitely something like, like I literally thought about that in high school. They would make us write out, uh, like our mission. I had a Bible class and they make us write out our mission. And I can remember every week it was like, try to unify people and, you know, be able to share ideas. That's what I, what I want. I want to be able to have a place or not even have a place to just like feel comfortable sharing ideas uh being able to talk to anybody you want i don't want to see color i don't want to you know say like this is a white man or this is a Hispanic man or this is a black man just people yeah just people i feel like the only differentiating factor is our perspective in life yeah and and if we were to tie that back into into business like that's why having that diversity up in the upper echelons that thirty thousand feet type level where the ceos are residing in those big office buildings it's important to have that diversity because even though we're all people you got to make sure that the playing field is equal right Mm -hmm. so that even if you are black hispanic asian native american what have you you all have a say at the table you have a seat at the table you have a voice and um that's why i'm super grateful for the opportunities that have been presented in my life and uh, i know i come from a place where like not a people can not a lot of people with my background um can say the same and that's something that I uh, really am grateful for. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I don't understand a lot about the political and business climate where my parents come from, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if you do either, but I do understand, like, 
a lot of times they usually leave because there's very little opportunity for them to like succeed and reach that next level just because everything is so uh how do i say it? it's in-house everything's selected in-house they all it's like a network of people that all know each other and they help each other lift each other up yeah to those high positions and force a lot of people to leave it leads to a lot of corruption uh in some cases violence yeah and to think that you know our parents have to go through these types of things and they yet they don't want us to see just as yet that we're lacking or you know we have to struggle to be able to have this freedom that they so eagerly sought for did you ever have any times growing up where you know they tried to kind of sugarcoat the fact or not not make you feel as if you were without anything <laughs> I'll, I'll phrase it this way like my my parents left colombia uh due to the reign of terror because of pablo escobar right um so i feel like they're no stranger to the threat of violence um and uh, they weren't like asylum seekers but that's just the fact of the matter is they wanted to escape a country that was rigged with corruption and uh and violence at the end of the day and so it's not so the fact that they tried to sugarcoat it but i think they genuinely had the belief that america was this place this utopia of sorts more or less where you could come here and um you could fulfill your dream you can go from rags to riches um and I by no means am saying that I come from a rag story. However, um, maybe that notion that America is this beautiful place, especially in 2020, especially in recent events, we see that's uh, more fiction than it is fact. Yeah, definitely. So then now, you know, I don't know, 20 years down the road, we're like 19, 20, 21. And now we're able to see, we understand our culture mm-hmm. and we're pretty much one with the culture of America as well. And we're able to see both sides. Like I can say one takeaway that I've had from my childhood and my, my experiences from my parents is that they wanted me to be sharp. They didn't want me like to be kind of aloof or, you know, going with the flow, even though that literally was the definition of my high school career. (laughs) Like I didn't really, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know I didn't have an aim in high school. I was just like, get good grades, come out. So ultimately, I'd have the opportunity to do whatever I want and be able to be where I am now, where it's like, I found a vision. I found I found something that I really want to do. But not only that, I developed like a street smart in a sense. And ability to just talk to people. Is, I don't have this barrier or a feeling of uh, being very exclusive because of my upbringing if you know what i mean yeah yeah and i feel like that's the hard thing right even especially in high school you got you got so much going on you got uh so many people wanting to do different things finding your niche finding your edge is really difficult it's something that i i think personally that everyone struggles with right finding out what you want to do in life like come on that's one of life's biggest questions um but how do you sort of give purpose to that to other people like my brothers, um, I got two younger ones, and I don't want them to be aloof. I want them to sort of find their purpose, right? And um, you'd want the same for your kids and your brothers and people in your circle, right? Yeah. So the end of the, the fact of the matter is I was sort of fortunate 
I found my edge in STEM. I found my edge in liking the maths. I was, for gosh sake, I was, um, I was a president of math club in my high school, in my senior Holy year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I did find that niche a little bit. I finding out what I liked, and that's what brought me to Georgia Tech at the end of the day. But that's that's not something that can be afforded to anyone. I just got lucky. Yeah, honestly, I, a lot of it is attributed to luck. Cause like, what about you I, with your cars? Yeah, that's 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 something that not everyone else can have, right? I mean, yeah, not everybody else could have that upbringing. I mean, everybody has their own experience. And it, everybody has something that they're lucky about. Just because, you know, I'm able to say I have these experiences doesn't mean that you weren't able to have these experiences. It's just it, that luck or that, you know, opportunity and privilege emanates itself in a different way in your life. I'll say that. And now, as I've become more mature... I've definitely wanted to be more serious with that intention and being able to share that mindset with, you know, my younger brother, because you said you have younger brothers as well. Like, yeah. literally, I'll try to, like, I almost, I feel like I think like a parent when I'm with him. Yeah. Like, he's my, he's my little bro. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's my boy. I've been told that by my, by my, by my middle brother. He says, yeah. you, you, why you turn like a parent all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I was able to do these things because, of how my parents have raised me. Yeah. And the way that I think. And I don't want you to close any doors or any opportunities in your life mm-hmm. because you weren't open-minded. So I tell him, like, yo, he's only seven. He probably doesn't even understand half of the stuff <laughs> I say. Yeah. But, like, like, listen to whatever music you want to. If you like it, you like it. But also make sure to, like, just reach out there. Yeah. You know, if your friends tell you to go listen to something else... Uh, Try it. Or, yeah, like, some country music. Like, it's not my forte, per se. But I'd definitely love to, like, hear some... Or hear stories or talk to somebody that does do it, does listen to country music and loves it passion. Because I think music says a lot about you. Yeah. Music says a lot about, like, what your interests are. And it opens many doors. I mean, practically, a lot of conversations can be started with just, like, music or sports. Like, simple stuff. And, like, entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I do think that music connects us. Um, really, the the thing is, um, people will sort of get stuck into listening to the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to teaching our younger brothers or anyone we care about, we sort of did follow a blueprint, our own, and we want to impose that on them. Maybe that's selfish, maybe that's not. However, teaching them that have your interests... But please be open-minded, whether that be a music, whether that be career choice, whether that be anything, whether that be the, the major that you want to study. Go liberal arts. You're interested in liberal arts? You want to do a liberal arts degree? Go do it. I'm doing STEM. I'm doing something completely different, but I support it. I'm open-minded. If you want to not go to college, if you want to, if you want to try to be a pro soccer, soccer player right out, of, right out of high school, I'll ask questions. I'll be like, okay, tell me your reasons. What are your chances? But I'll be open-minded. I'm absolutely open-minded. Yeah. If, you, if you're good enough at video games and you want to be a pro video gamer, all right, show me you're good enough at video games and go do that. Who am I to say no? That's your interest. That's your hobby. Do it. Yeah, honestly. And that actually brings me to a great question. Now that you have so many industries opening up that we never would have thought before, because who would have thought like 10, 15 years ago that, you know, kid playing video games all day, all night can now afford to make an entire living off of it. 
Yeah. And never leave his house. That's crazy. That's great. That's never before seen or heard of. And it's only thanks to the internet. Now, first started, I think it must started with YouTube, right? Those YouTubers yeah. making so much money yeah. off of just recording their lives. That was unheard of before, before the internet. Before I think YouTube really started that up. Yeah. And so it's, it just comes down to like what it is you want to, when you want to do in life. We have more and more choices. Mm-hmm. Um, make your pick and choose wisely. Yeah. Be passionate about it. Yeah. Because if you're only doing it for the rewards that it may bring you, you won't make it that far. I agree. I honestly will say that. I agree. But speaking of like these industries coming out, mm-hmm. what would do you think there's any other type of like pastime that could be monetized or you know made into a career that we haven't heard of yet? Oh, that's interesting. Damn, man. That's like a new industry opening up out of our pastimes. Maybe. I feel like the fact of uh, people wanting to uh, get from place to place, not wanting to order a car, that opened up the entire scooter industry. And around Atlanta, now we have all these birds and limes and VOs and all this other stuff. I I barely see birds. I only see birds now when people are riding. But they used to be around. They used to be be everywhere. They used to be everywhere. Limes as well. Where are those going? But still, but still, that was an industry that the need was there. No one had just ever thought about how to monetize it. Yeah. A place, getting from place to place in a city like Atlanta, which is not that walkable. However, that, you know, it's too close to get a taxi or get an Uber. So what you're going to do? Gonna get a scooter. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Makes it's, perfect it logical me, sense. It saved me plenty of times when <laughs> I'm almost late to class. Oh, and class. it's all oh, the way sure. across campus. Yeah. I mean, I lost that $2, but... <laughs> Time, time Dang. saved. Nah, but other industries. Let's see. That was that. So I gave you a bad answer because that one was already invented. Let's see. Industries already that already exist. I feel like they have to come from places of um, things that we already do in present day. And so maybe to put some industrial engineering things into it, um, thinking about how to make those systems that are already in our lives more efficient, mm-hmm. optimizing them. So to use the same example, getting from place to place, optimize that by finding a middle point of transportation between walking and between riding a bike and between uh, transportation through a car. So that gets you through transportation of motorized bicycles or motorized scooters. Um, but it can be just something as simple as like waking up every day. If that takes you a long time to do, what's a way to make that faster? Maybe a bed that moves, uh, that springs up forward and helps you, especially when you're getting old and your knees don't work that much. It'll be something as simple as that. Literally the first act. The way I come with that, literally the first action in the day. If you can make that first action of your day easier and you can monetize that, that's an industry. That's a product. That's money. I'm thinking about that. Because if it lifts me up at that right time, let's say I want to make a, wake up at like 7. Hmm. At 7, I didn't do anything, but it just lifted up. And now I'm sitting <laughs> at like a 90 degree angle. Am I going to stay asleep or am I going to be up? Hmm. I don't know. It depends. I, I think. I think. I think you would wake up if someone's jostling me in my sleep like that, even if it does it real slowly. What if that? What if? What was the? What if that was the way in the future that humans would wake up? Slowly, your bed just turns forward, and then you decide when you want to walk out of bed. Just walk out of bed. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Turns into like a walkway, and then. <laughs> nah, this is too much. I think that could be. Then immediately the other side of the uh, industrial engineering degree comes in. It's like, uh, wait, too many costs are in there. That's the the cost of making a bed right now is uh, 
metal, some wood, uh, and then the mattress. Um, then now it'd have to be mechanical components, um, mm. gears, and uh, more, more, more uh, higher cost in the end Battery of the day. Battery circuits. Yeah, uh, actuators, stuff like that. Oh, nice, you know, nice, way, nice. way even more. Yeah. Hey, shout out to my classes right now. They're kicking <laughs> my ass, but you know, we're still striving, and I'm still coming at you with episodes every two weeks. So, <laughs> I'm loving it. Word, but you know, speaking of being like in college, mm. we deal with a whole bunch of people every day, and I remember one thing growing up was my mom always told me to mind who I was like talking or who I'm befriending, who I'm always being around. And I guess as I, as I grew, I became a little bit more mindful of it. And even I remember growing up always a shy dude. So I ended up people watching a lot mm-hmm. just to see what people did. And I mean, I was a goofball, so I wouldn't look to be like, Oh yeah, this person acts like this. And this person, he's always angry or something like that. I would always look, for people to do funny stuff <laughs> always look for people to do something foolish so i'd be that one person to catch them and be like the world is weird people do weird stuff yeah yeah uh have you ever seen anything or do you have any relations to that you know analyzing people uh yeah i love that i love that i love watching people i love analyzing people but but um in terms of what you started with like there's a saying uh my dad says it. it's not it's not his but he goes, uh, show me your three closest friends and I'll show you who you are, right? Yeah. So in terms of choosing friends. But in terms of people watching, I think this is like, um, like a really good pastime. Uh, I remember just being a kid in Disney World, like seeing the crowd of faces just pass by. And I would, and I would, I would have fun doing it. Um, just so different. So much variance. And at the end of the day, um, kind of one and the same, right? You could all picture yeah. it. But um I don't know, man. I think in terms of putting it into, I feel like I feel like what I want to say is the, the the distinction between having fun doing it and being judgmental, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's so something that's something that you want to stray away from, but definitely I've seen some crazy stuff. Let's tell a story. Um, I did a study abroad, um, in France my freshman year, right? And as we was finishing the study abroad sort of separated from campus, had a couple of days to myself before I flew back to Florida. And part of that was actually I stayed at this uh, really dingy hostel. It wasn't even like a youth hostel. It was just a hostel. So a couple of nights, all, crowds of all types of people. Um, this one this one didn't have much of uh, uh, much people there, so it was pretty vacant. But anyway, so I checked into my room. This is in some small town in Germany um, on my way back to Luxembourg, which is where my plane was taking off from. And I get into my room and there's two people there. One is this very old Indian man who doesn't speak any English. And the second is this four-year-old construction worker who is mute. I spent a total of five hours with them just that night waking up and then going to the airport but those five hours were probably the best quote-unquote people watching i've ever done there was just something so beautiful about it um we actually sat down and had a mini dinner without being able to speak any sort of language all communication was with the eyes and gestures 
and it was still able to happen. I think that is probably one of the most beautiful human experience I've ever had. And <laughs> since you know, I wasn't able to communicate, it's the truest definition of people watching. Uh, and but people interacting with as well. And so yeah, so the uh, the construction worker brought out some some roti or some I wasn't even sure. Is there some roti or some uh, non bread? Um, one of those two. But basically, this really ethnic bread. And the Indian guy had uh, brought out some curry. Um, and so together with those two, the three of us sat down and had a conjunctive meal. Crazy experience. Crazy experience. Rest of the world leaving Europe. Thing. Yeah. That gets me thinking. So, like, we definitely have a lot of language barriers. And I can only believe how it is in Europe. Like, I've never been there. But every country may speak a different language. And even though, you know, they some schools out there or a lot of schools out there would teach them English. Some people still don't know the language or some people are just old enough that back then when they were learning or they were in school, like that wasn't really taught or wasn't like the primary secondary language that you would learn. Like, how would you fare nowadays or what do you think could be used nowadays to communicate or get over that language barrier? Mm. Cause I say, cause like when you can't talk, yeah how do you convey those ideas it's tough it's tough i think technology certainly helps shout out google translate that helped me so much <laughs> during my study abroad um whether it was in france germany or whatever but um i still feel like i still feel like in in, in a very important sense you got to be very aware of uh the differences yeah. right you can't be in france thinking you're in italy saying oh all of europe is the same that's in the same way uh you can't be in China uh, mm-hmm. thinking you're in Japan and saying, oh, all of Asia is the same. You yeah. just can't do it. You just can't do it. So there is that point of like, yeah, language, language is the barriers being closed by technology. But there's still that really human um, observational sense of observing the differences in culture that I think would, yeah. would, would take whatever interaction you have with someone further. I believe that. I believe that a lot. I feel like we should all be able to have or i mean you don't have to you probably won't be able to speak to somebody that doesn't speak you know the same language as you but to show them the same amount of respect while also being able to adhere to their cultural standards because growing up in america is way different than it would be growing up in you know asia or europe and the things that they expect as uh formalities so different yeah like us coming in like hugging someone out here or you know dapping some someone up out here it's totally different than what they would expect at all like, yeah. yeah i know absolutely. in latin american countries kiss on the cheek treat, yeah basils man. yeah yeah it's it's a thing and uh in uh i think it's, it's in france that's two kisses on the cheek really yeah yeah so even something like that, like um, to, I don't even know. Um, it's just so different. It's just so different. It's just so different. But to turn this, I know it's my interview, but to turn this question back on you, like you don't come from, let's say, the traditional Georgia Tech, what people would expect out of a Georgia Tech student. Mm-hmm. Have you found it difficult to make those connections, make those interactions? Uh I never thought about it like that. 
it was just I ended up somewhere. I ended up meeting somebody, and like we either hit it off or we didn't. Hmm. Uh, in most cases, we tended to be, or we had a common interest. So like last week, I was out there playing tennis over by the parking deck, and I ended up playing me and my friend Clinton. We were out there playing two Asian kids, and we never knew each other formally. Uh, I think one kid had on a he had on a sweater of a high school nearby me. Oh, so nice. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. he might know like where I came went to school because I went to this small private school. But like people in the area know about the school, mm. and we were able to just have a great conversation about tennis. I feel like if the if you have a common ground. Mm-hmm. Is definitely there. Yeah, that's what makes it easy. But what about when it's hard? What about without the common ground? That's where that's where things get hard. Yeah. In the business sense, in the friend sense, networking sense, whatever you want to call it. A willingness to learn about mm-hmm. what they're about. I feel like... Yeah. I guess one thing that I picked up is remembering people's name. Like, let's say you were to you were to meet this person once, say, oh, you know, hey, nice to meet you, blah, 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 my name is Mario, so and such, and they tell you your name, or their name. Yeah. And, you know, you might cross each other again, you know, going to class or going to work or whatever, but you remember their name, it takes a long way, and it dramatically improves the relationship. And then maybe you get to talk about other stuff, but you have to be open-minded and willing to learn about them. And in turn, they'll be willing to learn about yourself. But it comes with initiative, and you have to want to do it. If you don't want to do it, that, that's perfectly fine. But if this is what you want to do, especially like if you want to be in business, you're dealing with people from everywhere, yeah. all walks of life. Yeah. And you're coming here, they might have that same common goal of like, you know, I want to be successful, or I have a mission and I want to see it you know, come to fruition. You have to be willing to learn their story. And that's the only way you'll be able to cater not only to what you want, but what, you know, they're trying to do as well. I feel like business has to be, uh, it's not always like this, but ideally you guys work to make each other's dreams work. You see it a lot more between, you know, a founder and his employees and, or, you know, founders, co-founders and the rest of his starting team. But I wish our kid do it down the road where we, I, I just want to know my team. I want to know my team so, so well. Like, yeah. those are the boys, like, we're literally going to war together. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's the goal, right? Having a, having a ride or die pack. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's not always possible, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. not, not, not uh, in the business world where it's already made up of uh, a majority of people that don't look like you, walk like you, act like you. Or think like you. Um, so that brings us to like then the point that I that I was trying to touch on, which is like being like socially equitable in business, right? Mm-hmm. Because right now there's barriers due to uh, things like skin color, but I think that that's changing right now, and uh, something I look forward to. Yeah. So do you or what ways? Let's say you know you are a leader of a company right now. What ways do you think we can make a more socially equitable business climate? Yeah, I think um, uh, one sort of word or or two words that have been uh, very politicized is affirmative action um, due to the fact that these are initiatives 
be that in a school, be that in a company, um, to try and make the workplace more diverse. Um, now, they face backlash on both sides. Everyone has their own opinion on it. Um, the Supreme Court's the Supreme Court had a case on it through Harvard's uh, affirmative action. And so this is something that's like really top of mind for policy and in, in trying to do what we've been talking about, which is making companies, countries, uh, projects more diverse, right? Um, but, but at the end of the day, I do think that they are the best possible thing because I feel like the biggest wrong way to approach it is that these initiatives are trying to redress past wrongs um, okay that's not really that's i mean maybe but a better way to explain it is like present day don't think about the past it's right now in this present time how can we level the playing field for our employees for our clients for our consumers so the past is what it is, and now we just focus on making it a more equitable place now and in the coming, being able to maintain that. Yeah. So, so even thinking about um, a, t- a topic as as touchy as sl- uh, slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people for years now have asked for. Uh, what's called retribution? No, um, like money that's that's paid for for descendants of uh, reparations. Reparations, yeah, reparations. And so I feel like that faces a lot of backlash, probably because um, it's phrased in the way of we have to redress past wrongs, which is I guess that's true. But however, it's the better way to explain it is right now due to slavery, due to the things that have happened, the playing field is not level. Some people in this country have a huge advantage to do certain things, such as get a loan, buy a house, start a company, get money for a startup, uh, be able to join companies, not be discriminated against um, versus other populations, right? And so it's just this this money, if we were to keep it, keep this example still alive uh, and relevant, it'd be this money would be to help these people um, build up their wealth to no long to not come off as uh, someone who isn't worthy of the loan or, uh, yeah, I feel like reparations is, is, is difficult because it's only monetary. But what I talk about is inclusive policies as a whole. Um, yeah, right. So full overhaul of what we have current day, because like in my belief, I honestly think that reparations will not get us anywhere closer to where we want to be mm-hmm. yeah like while yeah, only money won't solve it only yeah. money won't solve it so maybe that wasn't the best example but yeah i agree with you because there, like, be, there needs to be systemic changes right? yeah yeah actually we not only have to be unified as you know in our in my case like as an african-american we have to be unified together we have to i believe we also have to start taking hold of communities like growing up in new york i remember this vividly and like my uncle would talk to me about it and that's when it true I truly started thinking about it deeper like uh you know a lot of the black communities in New York you know majority black uh those are that's probably like all of the the only color you see there you might see other uh, minorities but it'll be known as like historically black community but they also have their Hispanic communities or an Indian community or a Jewish community all that stuff yeah 
the only difference is that the Hispanic communities and like the Jewish communities, they might have a stake in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. The African Americans don't. Mm-hmm. And it hurts the most to know like we claim this as, you know, this is my neighborhood. Like where I came from, I'm from Mount Vernon. Yeah. And it's more diverse, but like you don't see majority owned like black businesses going on there. And I feel like it starts there. When you start taking you have to take hold of your communities first and then we have to spread out. And I understand like you uh people bring up Black Wall Street and they'll talk about Oklahoma. But I don't think people in those times would want us to give up. Yeah, no they wouldn't. They wouldn't man. No, I don't I don't not. and I feel like I don't want to say that nowadays we're scared to face the same fate, but we're definitely hesitant to go down that road again because we know what it looks like. We just, I believe it comes, it comes with one unity and it comes with being tactical. You have to be tactical and you have, and cause that's what businessmen have done to make the gap as big as it, as it is now. Now you just have to work tactical to keep come and eat away at the gap. It might come 1% a year. It might come half a percent a year, but it's progress. I agree. I agree. And honestly, like this is going to sound weird, but coronavirus did bring about some good things. And it's like exposing in the United States, so many of these inequities. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, look no further than the healthcare. Um, Latino and African-American communities have been impacted, have have higher death rates, have worth worse, uh, uh, basically healthcare service, all due to the fact that right now the system isn't in place where it's uh, where it helps us, right? It's uh, and so I love that you bring up Black Wall Street too because that's the sort of epitome of what could have been, yeah, or what what should be, what should be is what I should say, what should be a reality in the United States with companies, uh, with people who just want to start businesses doesn't matter regardless of their skin color and not only be owned by that majority Caucasian white um, demographic. Yeah. I I don't, I don't want it for my people. I don't want us to, you know, even though I want to see us strive and, you know, become very successful, get the equity that we deserve. I don't think, I think we have to think better than that, not to develop our own, like, our own community that's separate from the country as a whole the country's meant to be a melting pot mm-hmm. even though there's, as, a country, there's a country of immigrants yeah it should be that way it should be that way and we should be able to come together knowing that we're not all from here this isn't even our land yeah this, we, the native people we kicked we kicked out of their entire country this entire vast land that spans from one ocean to another yeah I feel like it's not about defining yourself as the dominant race anymore we have to work together there's so many more bigger issues that we need everyone's input on we need everyone's we need the brightest minds that come from everywhere every walk of life to be able to think about this critically and it's because we have different perspectives some person like a critical thinker from one country may not think the same way as you know another critical thinker from you know here or uh europe yeah per se. yeah yeah and i think one of the best ways to do it i mean granted 
a lot of people don't even have this privilege, which I, I actually think that's a problem that should be addressed more is the inability to travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, now that, you know, during coronavirus, a lot of that stuff is shut down, at least for us. Yeah. You know, I know a second wave is coming in Europe and, you know, it might be round two. So buckle up and put on your gloves. But I feel like traveling is one of the greatest experiences to see another culture in be a minority. Yeah. Like truly be a minority, be a minority for minority. once. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree. And we ha- we have that advantage, Mario, not only of traveling, but also coming up places. I mean, New York, that's that's the epitome of melting pot. That's always been said. Immigrants from all over the world want to go there and start the golden life in that city. Um, but look, yeah, um, traveling will open up your mindset. Uh, at least it should. Seeing people who don't look like you, aren't from where you are from, and they still hold value and they still are just as worthy and as valuable as someone from your in group is is uh, of extreme importance yeah and that can maybe change the tide of uh some of this uh discriminatory thinking that happens yeah it starts it starts at the home and it starts with the individual and i feel like a huge proponent of your outlook towards you know other people and other cultures is who you're hanging around Mm. uh like I said, you have to be open-minded. You have to be able to see a different perspective and be able to listen and, you know, think and assess for yourself, like, uh, as the way I've treated, you know, this person actually, like, brought them justice or is it, like, the righteous thing to do? You have, you have to be able to see their perspective and then, you know, figure out for yourself, like, do you want to only hang around people that know the same things that you do or have seen the world the same way as you have? Or do you want to, you know, be able to see another side of it, something that you haven't seen? The world is so big that even if you were the smartest person in your school, you went to great college, you had a 4.0 GPA, you became a millionaire. Yeah. You still have only seen a small percentage of what actually goes on around here. Yeah. And... It's, I think your outlook is totally based on who you're hanging around and, you know, the types of questions and conversations that you have with those people. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's so important to choose your friends wisely. Um, Be careful who you hang around, like we talked a little bit earlier with, like, choose who you choose to, like, who you interact with in your free time Mm -hmm. will teach you so much or take away from uh, your life experience so much um, it's great to go to a university like Georgia Tech where there's people from all walks of life um, and that's something that, that I wish could be afforded to everyone um, sincerely sincerely but once again there's still even peer where there's everyone walks of all life from every place um, some people still fall into the trap of, of being close-minded and I think as we start thinking about how to stop this minimize it eliminate it in best in the best way Sort of, we're looking at it through the lens of, of uh, business and initiatives that businesses have, but it stems beyond that, right? It stems, as you said, from the house and it starts in the home. It, it stems into policy, it stems into law, and it stems into government. Yeah. So, there's a bunch of different facets that we can bring about this change. Not only one will do it, um, altogether they will, but without these conversations, it'll never happen. So, yeah. so you think, are there people within 
our government in the U.S. that are working towards having a open-minded society. Yeah, I mean, the most open-minded sort of thinking where everyone gets the benefits, the health care, the quality of life is Bernie Sanders um, and Alexandria Mm Ocasio-Cortez. However, um, there's fear associated with that dream due to there are some similarities uh, with that in communism, with Mm -hmm. socialism, with everyone being similar and and communism. Um, I'm not a socialist. I'm not a communist. um, I'm not a capitalist. I think there should be a sort of generous form of capitalism that should exist where people have um, all these really healthcare benefits as a human right. Um, And so with that, I want to drop one more name, which is Andrew Yang. And so in his model, which is a capitalist model, people would be afforded these healthcare quality of life uh, sort of intrinsically with being an American citizen through the form of the freedom dividend. Mm-hmm. I think that could change lives. With that $1,000 a month, not to turn this too political, but with that $1,000 a month, you'd be able to start your own business. Yeah. Like your parents and, and their, their neighborhood could start their own uh, Black Wall Street in their neighborhood if they wanted yeah. to, right? Just having, having that financial support to be able to do that. Yeah. So, I'm... That's like something that I've wanted to see as an ideal where everybody is, they have the ability to start their own business and you know they will. I've come to the roadblock though is that when everybody starts their own business, yeah, uh who who's going to work for them? Or when everybody starts their own business and I mean in some sort of industry or commodity they're self-sufficient, so they don't need anybody else or anything to uh, give this commodity to them or provide it for them. So that, you know, one need is met, and it might be a very expensive need. How do you keep the cycle of the economy flowing? Well, it'll never get to the point where everyone has a startup. Um, uh, let's see, like certain things can never be produced by just the startup. Like even something as simple as a pencil would take I, I read this on like some blog posts but back in the day before machinery it would have taken years and years to be able to accumulate the wood be able to refine it into the shape of a pencil be able to um, take the graphite and um, put it in a way that would make it right and then the eraser all of that all of that stuff that makes a pencil the metal around it all of that comes from uh, having these corporations that are able to do that at a low cost yeah. right and even for me, someone who is like self-proclaimed, I want to have my own startup by age 25 or I'm a failure. I've said this before. Um, for me, it doesn't even have to be my own per se, not necessarily. It's just having ownership in the company. Because when you're just an employee in a company, and I know this probably sounds hypocritical because, I mean, I work, I've, I've have two internships in my belt and I've spoken to great lengths about how beneficial they've been towards me. I think at the end of the day, you 
you are at the end of the day, just an asset for that company. If you don't have a stake in their on the ownership, if you're not a partner in the company, then that's not some that's not wealth you're generating. Uh, that's that's like revenue. That's like you're that's trading the, your work, your time. Yeah, for, yeah. For, it, it's, it's it's basically what I'm trying to say. Is it's money. It's not wealth. If you want wealth, if you want to pass something down to your family, um, to your future generation of kids, the future Hispanic Americans that I I will have one day with my children, it has to be something of ownership. And so people who've been in this country for a long time can pass down the real estate land that they've owned, that's an asset, that's ownership. You own that land. Mm-hmm. And then you give your kids an advantage because they own that. They have, there's value in that. Or in the best case, is a company like Jeff Bezos's trillion dollar Amazon. Passing yeah. down, passing that down to your kids is uh, something completely incredible. That's, that's inheriting the wealth of a nation, multiple nations. Yeah. So in the end, I guess what I'm trying to say is not everyone has to have a have their own startup and that's not a feasible but having ownership is of extreme importance and it doesn't even have to be a company like i'm looking at it through that lens but it can be um the patent the patent to a product yeah you own that companies use it for years that's money into your pocket for for years for generation a book if you have a great book out there and people read it and read it and read it that's still royalties coming in year after year um for for your future kids so I, i guess Maybe this is what's come down to is ownership, but it can be through creative means as well. It can be. Yeah. So, I mean, if you enjoy your, your line of work or your, you know, formal career, whether it be like an employee or you're a business owner, I'm more saying this for, you know, someone that they might enjoy their job at, you know, maybe doing consulting or you know they're an engineer or they're a journalist they love what they do and they love putting their time into that it's, it doesn't mean that you quit your job by no means because that makes you happy in life yeah what if you want to create a legacy mm-hmm. I, I tend to think about that a lot yeah. what do you when you what do you pass down that you know lives beyond the grave yeah uh you always have to think about because yeah absolutely Absolutely. I think you want to pass down, first of all, knowledge. Yeah. Like, I, I hope to get enough life experience where I'm able to sort of teach something, whether to my brothers or to my future children, to the people in my life, a sort of blueprint, things that have worked for me so that they can benefit from it as well. So knowledge, first and foremost, but also um, what you give back to your community, right? Like, that's, that's part of the legacy. That's part of the legacy. What you can contribute to humanity as a whole or, or, or to your community um, I think is of extreme importance because you don't you, my entire life I don't want to always be thinking about the small term how am I going to be successful how am I going to make the most money be a billionaire that is um, I think a depressing way to live your, the rest of your life exactly maybe that's selfish of me to say because I'm, I come from a place where I probably am in the 1% of the world in terms of, of money, think about all those people who are struggling meal to meal. Yeah. And I, I'm out here having the time to study what I like, make recordings about topics that interest me. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yeah. Like for me, I know from at least 
whenever you know it's my time my time comes and i leave this earth i at least want everybody that i've come into contact with to you know know that i was an open-minded person mm-hmm. and i was okay i wanted you to share your ideas whether i agreed with them or i didn't agree with them at all like you you shared your ideas and have guts yeah I think that's one of the serious things that you have to learn, you know, growing up and becoming an adult that you have to get, you have to have guts because you can't, it's not a sufficient way to live to always just go with the flow and, you know, go with whatever everybody tells you and dismiss your own personal interests. You're going to end up feeling unfulfilled. You're going to end up, you know, irritated, frustrated with yourself, frustrated at other people, frustrated on your closest, like family and friends, even though they have nothing to do with it at all you i just want people to be able to feel like if they at any moment they felt like doing something and they not only would they be able to find the means to do it but to be able to just be a go-getter not take no for an answer yeah like i know me and you we love watching anime <laughs> yeah yeah and uh I know there's a lot of good lessons in it. There's a lot of good lessons. That's why I choose to watch. I spend a lot of my time, my leisure time, watching anime, just sitting down in this chair and just going at it for hours, and hours. One of my favorites is One Piece. Uh, most people don't want to watch the 900 episodes. I know, but there will come a day where to get into uh, the secret society that I'm quote unquote creating. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. Because to me and to some of the other people I've talked about that have watched it, it's literally watching like a, a allegory to the world. Like Animal Farm, but more present day relatable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you touched on something really good there, which is reputation. Um, like what, what people will say that you contributed, which, I mean, that has its pros cons. You don't want to spend your time thinking about what other people think about you. That's not the way you want to live. Um, it has to come from what you define as success. And I think everyone's definition of success should be generating happiness for themselves and the people around them. But what makes people happy is going to differ across every person uh, on the face of the earth, right? So um, personally, like I find school to be extremely fulfilling because I mean yeah there's the tough nights when we have to grind you know mm-hmm. those long nights of doing work from time to time but at the end of the day um, there is there is that sense of fulfillment that comes from getting that A on that test or on that project and um, that extends to anything you set your mind to any passion project any job any role anywhere yeah well, whatever you do to be able to be at the highest level in that realm of competition or business or, you know, passion and being in a place where you can get the recognition for it, from it is so fulfilling. But I feel like it's less about what happens after, but the amount of work that you put in. Oh, yeah, dude. It's all about the journey, not the final destination. Now I'm dropping like these quotes, but like these are the ones that like I really, truly believe. Um, if I were to have just ha- if someone would just handed me the Georgia Tech degree, it would mean nothing compared sure. to having to have worked for it, right? 
and you face roadblocks along the way. Um, but that's part of it. Like, uh, you know, it's, there's like happiness and, and suffering as masochist as that may sound. You know, mm-hmm. you hike a mountain. People love hiking mountain. People love going on runs. You feel that the strain of energy. But once you get to the top of that peak or you finish those 10 miles, you finish that marathon, there's ecstasy to that, putting yeah. yourself through that pain. Yeah. That's what I've been doing now. Like, I've been, especially through the summer, pushing myself. Yeah. Like, uh, I would go outside for, like, a mile run. It's, like, 90 degrees outside. Humid as hell. And my mom's like, dude, you're going to pass out. I'm like, no. I'm going to just go out there. I don't know. It's, when you want something so badly, it's like, you just become ignorant to whatever else anybody tells you yeah but there's roadblocks to that yeah right? there's roadblocks you have to be i'd say seek wisdom before you do it mm. but there's a right there's a right type of wisdom there's a wrong type of wisdom like don't just go to anybody who's older and expect them to have an answer for you towards your question and expect it to be like the best answer yeah like if you like you're saying example of come to pro soccer store mm-hmm uh, don't just go up to any person like you know your neighbor that works in IT or something like that about you becoming a pro soccer star of course he's going to say do something more relevant because I mean that just was his path in life he, he chose to do this so this is what he's going to do and this is the scope of what he knows Yeah. but talk to a pro soccer star himself I mean, while it seems outlandish, if you have the drive, those people tend to see that that same vision because they were once you. Yeah. They were once you doing the same exact thing and they were trying to figure it out. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. always clear cut to them. Yeah. One thing I want to get into more doing is like reading biographies of great people. Um, like I, I think Elon Musk's has sort of drawn attention due to the amount of success he has in his, in his business ventures. But, um, yeah, it can come from your neighbor. If he did the IT thing and you're into the IT thing, yeah. ask him about his experiences. Check mark. Go ahead. Yeah. And if you want to become a pro soccer player, ask some people who played soccer. It doesn't even They didn't even have to make, have made it to yeah. pro soccer. But they have some piece of information, some something they can impose on you that would be beneficial. Like, I failed because of X, Y, Z reason don't make the same mistake and that's a leg up um i feel like that's definitely something that i should look for towards doing more you know finding more mentors and uh being able to ask for help more because that's i feel like that's something that is hard to do yeah um, i don't know you what, just yeah. tend to run into a lot of mistakes and i mean it happens to everyone it's happened, mm-hmm. it happens to me plenty of times uh i would like to know like during your time in college has there been any roadblocks that have you know st- caused you to stumble on your path of where you're trying to go yeah yeah um i think maybe this is my competitive nature maybe this is um my personality sort of getting in the way of things but in trying to um do well in my professional development in my classes um Sometimes I'll fall for the trap of not putting my all into it. Um, 
not, and this is like failing to start. So I feel like an example is, um, I was trying to prepare for this interview with Bain, um, but I was having trouble sort of getting started on that initial casework and putting my everything into prepping, um, putting in the time. And like after, like this happened, this is this was a while ago, it was a couple months ago, and after like like decomposing why that was, I realized it's like hard to put your all into everything and being okay with failing. And uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the underlying issue. If you were to not try as hard and you fail, you, you're, you can always tell your ego, hey, well, you know what? I didn't really put my all into it. So that's why. And it's not something based off of my intrinsic value. It's just because I didn't try hard enough. Um, so that's a major roadblock. And so now I feel like my mindset has changed. And so it's not like if I put my all into it and fail, it's not because I wasn't worth it. It's just pick yourself back up and keep going. Um, and that comes from something called growth mindset. You got to be able to take a fall. Even if you put your all 110%, you grinded for this specific interview, you grinded for this test and you end up failing. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, this needs more work in X direction, or I need more experience in Y subject, and not saying, okay, well, well, that's the end of it. Um, hang up your coat and walk away. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. It's failing, but um, failing and saying that's okay. And ultimately, if I were to like sort of paraphrase all of that, because that was a bit of a of a, of a ramble. I guess it's just being okay with failing. Yeah. And that's hard to do as college students like ourselves. We're high achieving. We're hard on ourselves. You're we very, are hard on ourselves. We are very hard on ourselves. Right? So really it's just being okay with failing because we've, we've come so far. I truly believe that. If I were to, my younger self were looking at me now, I think um, be hard to, it'd be hard to uh, see where all these changes came about. Yeah. All right. I see, like, I realize when you're telling your story that it's kind of like you have to try. You have to put your all into it because if you don't, you will never see how you actually measure up to, you know, the your competition or your end goal and what it takes to actually be there. Because mm-hmm. if you don't apply yourself and show actually what you have, you won't be able to learn what you don't have. And that's... Mm. That's essentially all that you're missing from being where you where you want to be. But you're only holding yourself back in your own development by, you know, taking the road more traveled and just like settling for knowing that this is a bigger uh this is a bigger goal. This yeah. is a bigger Goliath. Never that, settle. That's yeah, what I was saying. Never, never settle. Never. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think probably the biggest intrinsic piece of personality that's helped me is setting high achieving goals like setting high goals Mm -hmm. i um yeah an example of this is i um really really wanted my dad's car at uh so you got yeah but my dad you know he's he's an immigrant he he said no I, i i got my first car at age 29 something like that why would i why would i give you a car at age 17 18 you haven't worked for it, you know, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, value it or whatever. Right. So 
I showed him that I would value. I said, this is my goal. My goal is to get this car. Um, right. And so I it's literally just preparation, man. I would literally <laughs> give presentations, um, literally talk to him every, every night, um, at the dinner table and say, Hey, like this friend just got a car. This, this ex other person was just gifted a car and then, you know, reaching a compromise. At the end of the day, I ended up, uh, being able to bargain with him or brought the price down, paid for half of that car with my own money and wrote up a contract for, for the different, uh, policy this is so funny because my dad my dad really pushes me to do this type of stuff and think like this but yeah we wrote up we wrote up a contract for the things that i would be allowed not allowed to do or else the contract was voided and the car would go back to him yeah. and your money and my money no nah, i don't know about money you're probably getting that back but yeah <laughs> but still so i think setting those high achievement goals and that's just like a specific example because it's an early example of me setting a high goal and, and being able to do so yeah but it comes it comes with um everything i've done right getting getting into the school for one yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that a family friend was talking about over the summer, uh, we were talking about just he went to Morehouse and I can't remember exactly what the conversation had come from. But we were talking about he said that one of his one of the biggest takeaways from being at Morehouse is that he learned why people say no. It's just it's not because they like don't want to unless like. Is truly just like stingy, but that's how kids think. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't want you to, you know, play my video game, so I'm just going to tell you no. But when you get into a more professional sense, or you're dealing with, you know, bigger, bigger materialistic things, uh, bigger goals, uh, bigger offers and opportunities, it's people say no because they can sense, or because from what you've told them and what you've shown them. They do not believe you have the drive to actually, you know, see that opportunity to fruition. Okay. Like uh, when I was starting my college search, I wanted to go to California. I wanted to get out of here, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to spend half my life in Georgia. I didn't want to call myself, you know, an Atlanta dude at all. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get out here and go to like Stanford. Mm. Then ultimately, Stanford said you got to take the SAT uh, subject test, and I was like, no, no, no. That that showed me for sure that I wasn't really trying to go. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, my my mom would not let me, okay. and I thought she was just being overprotective, like because I'm her baby. You know, we've been through, I've been through life with her, and like, I that's practically who I've been living with my entire life. So. Yeah. We've been through so much together, and I, to me, to for her seeing me go, it would probably, like, break her. Or to be, like, so far away, she feel like I'm trying to run away. Which, at that point in time, I kind of was. Mm. I kind of I was. Mm. Yeah. It took a lot of growing up to do to get away from that, but I was just stuck on the fact that she didn't want me to go. Yeah. She didn't want me to go. But And you took it personally. Yeah, very personally. And then I ended up coming to Georgia Tech just because it seemed like the more logical thing. You know, great engineering degree. Uh, I'm in the city. You know, I get to live that same type of lifestyle that I would have living in New York. And I can be my own person. It's not mm-hmm. like, I mean, granted, my mom doesn't like driving, so she won't pull up 
for the 30 minute drive here that often like she won't just pop up out the blue so i don't know what i was really complaining about but now after having that conversation it's like my mom it just knew that i wouldn't have what it took to <laughs> live out there yeah like uh find a car find an apartment uh kind of fitting for myself i wasn't really thinking like that yeah i was just i want to go out there and you know make friends and kind of live my own like distant yeah. life but you've grown now like you've matured and that's yeah. what that's what college does to you so now you can you can still have that goal of getting into stanford it, it's really with this degree with the way you set yourself up now mario like you could like literally all it takes is yeah I just if, that, if that dream is alive yeah no, i mean that, obviously like like things change like your priorities change and that yeah. might not be it, but that just ties back into yeah like not separate. if i truly wanted to and had that same as much if i had the same drive to go there as i did i mean for grad school as i did to like do this podcast or you know be an engineer then yeah i believe i would probably do, go do it now and have a much better head on my shoulders and knowing what to do and what I need to be able to do to make this move successfully. Uh, it's just that it's not where I want to be anymore. And now the goal is different. The goal is now disappear. Disappear, man. <laughs> now priorities change, man. Priorities yeah. change. I came into college thinking I wanted to do investment banking. Just because, like, the, the engineering degree sounded right and I could concentrate my degree in economic and financial systems. Yeah and generate wealth by being an iBanker and living in New York, getting paid a lot of money to close out M&A deals. But guess what? I researched the industry, found out it wasn't for me. Didn't really like the type of work, to be very fair, to be very honest. And that's it. Literally, priorities change. So I feel like, yeah, there is that distinction between settling and being open to letting yourself change. Letting, yeah. letting yourself grow, man. Yeah. so important. It, it, I say, for the people listening out there, if you don't, understand that feeling it's just it's not just changing the mindset on like okay i don't, I don't want to do this anymore it'll never be like that it's coming back to that goal that you previously had and just think of it like it was a pipe dream he's <laughs> like yeah dang i was just like i was 16 17 i don't know however old you were when you thought about it and it's just like a fleeting memory yeah yeah. But you're able to come back to it and say, like, wow, like, now I don't want to do it. And I know why I don't want to do it. Yeah. No, and I think that ties back into, if we, like, if this was the sort of uh, way to wrap a lot of these points that we talked together in, it'd be, yeah, my ideas changed, my priorities changed. And so that original priority that I had, I guess, quote, unquote, you could say that you failed in that priority. You failed in that pipe dream, as you say it being okay with that and how that comes about is talking about another thing we talked about which is being open-minded yeah and letting yourself be open to new opportunities that will allow you to change exactly dang that's a good way of putting everything together i think, I think that's the best conclusion type of <laughs> <laughs> yeah like at this point I'm how are we for here? time <laughs> we're fine okay i mean at this point we've run through everything we have yeah and I, I don't know where else to go other than, like, I do have one question, though. Okay. Uh, so, you're talking about uh, Andrew Yang. You're talking about Ocasio-Ortez. Mm -hmm. uh, who are some other people that you look up to or that inspire you? Yeah. Um, I've talked a little bit about my dad. Um, 
sort of very different than me in personality wise. He's a little bit of a quieter guy, but man, he's hardworking. Um, so that's really impacted me really heavily. In terms of uh, public people, there's one more name, um, and that is Simon Sinek. He has this really cool book called Start With Why, about how um, you can you companies should uh, sort of make their brand around. And it talks around like companies like Apple, mm-hmm. how their sort of mission is to challenge the status quo. And that's what attracts so many people to that company and uh, sort of have this cult following. Yeah. Companies like Harley Davidson. They're not they're not just the product that they make, but their their the mission, their purpose, it resounds with people. Yeah. And so if you start your company with the why, with the team, with the purpose, the objective versus the monetary implications or versus the amount of units that you'll sell, I feel like you'll go a lot further. Yeah. Like I mean, especially like Tesla's SpaceX, Tesla, uh, yeah. uh, Tesla and SpaceX, they they aren't even out there to make money. Yeah. Space is out there to explore planetary life and and push the human frontier. Tesla is out there to revolutionize the car market and, and uh, have, make it more green. And honestly, it tore me up when I realized it. And I came to the conclusion <laughs> all my life. I wanted to come here, become a mechanical engineer, work on race cars, work on engines, hand build them, and stuff like that. Then I come here, and now they're like. Yeah, we're going all batteries now. I was like, are you kidding me, man? I was like, what am I going to do now? Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, there'll always be a space forward in sports cars. And yeah. Then, and then other, other types of vehicles. Always. Yeah. But you do bring up a great point about the why. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I want to be here? And the fact that some companies have built been built around that why. Yeah. To the point that, like, in my philosophy class, they talk about... Uh, creating an illusion that we we live in a world where we've been programmed to have these wants mm. and it's kind of believable you know if you think about it everybody that or I wouldn't say everybody but a lot of people we know like let's say they were buying a phone they said I want an iPhone can't really explain why but they want an iPhone uh, or I don't know I want these Nike sneakers. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And a single or, you know, a group of people were able to create that type of desire in other people. Like, I want this or I want to be working with them or I want what they bring out and deliver is literally incredible. I love that. The, the sort of marketing techniques that some of these companies use, and actually it doesn't even have to be marketing, but their why, right? I feel like it yeah. sounds better. Their why, it resounds more. Um, Nike has such great campaigns. Just do it. All these all these uh, sports stars that are, are grinding out there, man, putting their everything into their craft. Um, and that translates. That translates to the consumer wanting to buy more. I am always peeled to the screen with ads, like uh, during the Super Bowl, especially. They just put out such good content that literally changes the perception of, 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 of what consumers think about the product. Yeah. And tying back to those two examples, like Apple and Harley Davidson, they have cult followings to the point where, like, people will get Harley Davidson's tattoos on them. Yeah. Just because it means more, it means more than the product. It means more than just a stripe on your shoe. Yeah. It means grinding. It means it means 
being the upper echelon of, of your sport. And you want to sort of take after LeBron James, Serena Williams, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, all those Nike-sponsored athletes. Yeah. It means more. So, so do you think, well, obviously you had your answer, but uh, I just wanted to be able to clarify, do you think more people are inspired to go with their product because everybody else has it or because those people have it? I feel like it's just the message in general. Um, uh, let's say, I don't think, as far as I'm concerned, like Apple and Harley Davidson, is those two examples, they don't really use ad- athletes and celebrities all that often in their ads. Yeah. Um, but the Nike one just resounds more because they have those top of their game athletes promoting their products and it gives off this visage, this vision of success that resounds with people because when someone goes out for their run to make themselves feel better, to work on their diet, they yeah. want to um, feel like an athlete. They want to feel right. Like you, you yeah. want to feel you want to feel like you're doing a good thing or whatever. Yeah, I think that wasn't a good answer, but nah, I understand that completely. Yeah, because okay. like in my bonehead mind. I mean, I apologize to my mother in advance, but like, they both my mom and my dad actually they don't want me to get a tattoo, right? Yeah. I was like, if I'm gonna get a tattoo, I'm gonna get a big one, but it's gonna mean something. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be on my back. I mean, too. I've always said the meaning has to come first, and then yeah. I'll get the tattoo. It's gotta mean something, yeah. and like for me, and something to rep- represent my family, as silly as it sounds, Honda. Every single my dad, my uncle, my mom grandmother aunts okay all hondas okay. all honda vehicles uh-huh. like that is the car that the civic itself literally was like the only car i knew from my childhood and i expanded to so much more later on in life yeah and i don't i wonder where i would be if i didn't know about like cars or anything or i just wasn't really that interested in all of it. Mm. You should get yourself like an anime Honda tattoo because Japan has given you a lot. <laughs> Japan has given me everything, bro. Like even so, it was Honda and uh, how old was I? I want to say eight or nine or something like that. My stepdad came up and brought me this anime. Entirely like back in the days with CDs and all that. CD, a PlayStation Two. And this anime show called Initial D, literally about cars. Okay. Literally, it blew my mind away, and uh, I never looked back. I think I have an affinity towards Japanese cars, but nowadays I'm I'm a little bit more like uh, open minded to other things like American classics. And right now, like uh, my current project car is an old Volvo, mm. an old Volvo. So uh, her name's Veronica and. I guess you guys will hear about her more like later on, but she's a beast. I look forward to making. seeing that. She's a little diamond her. in the rough right now. <laughs> I like that. I like that. No, I mean, um, if this is this is culture, right? Um, whether it be a car, whether it be anything, once again, it's being open to those experiences. What if you were cut off, man? Like, what if you said, no, like I only, like if it's if it's not in English, I won't watch it yeah because there's there's parents that'll do that like i had um like i knew this guy in middle school who they wouldn't let him uh like watch cartoons at all just because it didn't align with 
the parents' perspective of what they should be showing their kids. And that mentality of not being open-minded, I think really cut him off from a really good thing. I will say one of the, or a lot of the things that I might say in like a joking manner, or any references I come up with are, a lot of them come from old TV shows that I watched as a kid that I just somehow happened to remember. Hmm. I don't know why. So I will say, I will agree with you. Like cartoons didn't make up a huge part of like my childhood growing up and you know the way I thought about things I think they definitely gave me a sense of humor uh I feel bad for a lot of kids nowadays because I really don't know what they're watching yeah no the shows out now are I, weird I have no yeah. I even put my little brother on anime because I was like I can't really have you out here watching this stuff me too I've been putting on my little brother on some anime yeah it's 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 like come on this is the good stuff this is the good yeah. stuff I mean yeah. if he grows up and says like yo this is whack then like all right but I think I already set him on the path that, like, <laughs> yeah. he, he won't say no. Uh, it's it's crazy. But I remember my parents censored me from watching certain things. Yeah. So I remember specifically Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I never really watched that as a kid. And to this day, I mean, some people say I'm missing out, but I don't feel like I've really missed out on much. I'm with you. I just, I felt like um, certain shows were ugly. Yeah. Ed and Eddie was like an ugly looking show in the way they talked, acted. So it was Chowder. Chowder. I feel like that show gave me bad vibes. Like, just personally, like I didn't like resonate with it or whatever. Um, so I don't think you're missing out. I mean, that's because that, I mean, I'm biased. I didn't like the show. Yeah. I mean, I'll figure out later if I was missing out or not. I mean, if I haven't already. But. Yeah, you've done well so far with Ed and Eddie. That's what I'm saying. I mean. It happens of all types. It can be music, stuff like that. But I remember, like, my cousins would... Or my cousin specifically, she wasn't allowed to watch... She was only allowed to watch, like, Disney Channel. She couldn't watch Nick. She couldn't watch Cartoon. And I would clown her for her. I'd be like, you're a lame. You're a <laughs> total lame. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, so far she's turned out fine. So, I've concluded that it's not what I watch that's made me, you know who I am it doesn't determine my own success but like how you what you've learned from it yeah yeah I agree so I'm a huge advocate for having meanings in your shows and like talking about uh you know big life questions that you may have on later on and morals morals yeah how morals kind of like what what would you do to reach your level of success what would i do like would i change anything about what i'm doing now i'm saying like how how bad would you be willing to stray away from a how say a obedient path or a i can't find the word right now but a stray away from a good path an innocent path to reach that goal that you have hmm. I feel like a lot of life experience is gained from doing the wrong from doing I mean, it's like not wrong wrong thing I'm not saying go out and murder someone but like being disobedient has its perks you're, you're people no one who changed the world was not a rebel yeah right yeah so in some ways you do have to uh go against the grain, take the path not followed, be a little disobedient. Um, and maybe not towards the common things. Like, I'm not saying go out there and do drugs just because they're what people tell you not to do. 
but um, I think it's important to not be so quick to uh, fall into groupthink and uh, yeah right I don't see it as you know the way you explain it, I don't see it as being straying from the innocent path hmm. I just see it as being a determined fool determined a, fool. a determined fool okay we've got a lot of those uh, I would call myself a determined fool as well there's some things that it seems so apparent what you should do and I just stray away from it like I'll like some what? some things let me think there's so many instances through high school where everyone was like yo do this one thing do this one thing right here totally did the opposite like what <sighs> Playing tennis. They told you not to play tennis? No, 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 no. They told you to like play tennis? Like, when I, when I was playing tennis. Okay. Like, as far as my style of play when I was younger, uh, it was a lot less fundamental and a lot more, like... I mean, a lot of people that play tennis uh, will get that when you're young, you kind of want to be flashy and cool and hit with a lot of power. Mm. I was kind of like that, very ignorant to it. And then I realized as I got into high school, like, while I'm able to hit the ball really well, now uh, I have a forehand, I have a serve, I have zero back. My backhand is not a... All my coaches used to clown me for it. They'd be like, dude, we got to get you uh, Amazon Prime so we can get you this backhand real quick. Like, you got a match tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. And I had no footwork, bro. I was so lazy. Yeah? And Just dragging your feet? Yeah. Like, if you... If you had a good shot on me that I probably could get because I was most likely quicker than you, I probably wouldn't get it because I just wasn't set up right. Mm. I wasn't set up right. It didn't click to me how mental the game had to be until later on. Okay. okay. But I was so determined to show them that, like, I got it. Yeah. That I continue to go down the path. And now, I think it led to me being less interested in tennis because I stopped, like, like you said before, you said that you didn't put all your effort into it, so you know that you didn't try your hardest when you failed. It was kind of like that, where I knew that I wasn't putting my all in there, and I wasn't giving it all up, so I wouldn't feel that agony of defeat. But that's the, that's I lost... Yeah, yeah I, like I lost... on that already, yeah. right? Yeah. I lost... I, I started to plateau. Yeah. I started to plateau in my growth as a player, and I eventually just, like, lost interest in it competitively. Mm. Yeah, fear of failure, man. That's literally it. Yeah. Fear of failure. It happens. Tough. I, uh, yeah, I have a similar story. So I, I was, um, I played soccer for most of my life. And there was a uh, season where I barely saw the light of day in terms of the soccer field. Like, um got benched game after game after game after game um and like simultaneously while this was going on like um i had like a growth deficiency so i was having to like uh basically like my my growth hormones um just weren't weren't aligned so i literally i was 4 11 at age 15 that's you short, shot up. That's short. <laughs> age, yeah, age 14, 15, I was... In that in that year, freshman year, age 14, 15, I was 4'11", 5 foot. I was short. 
And so obviously that uh, translated onto the soccer field where, um, you know, kids are getting bigger at that age. So it made sense. Wouldn't be a very tactical move to play me, right? And so simultaneously while this is happening, like if you're not if you're not seeing the light of day, you're not playing, you know, you're not getting recognition. The sport stops being fun, and then you start saying, "Well, I'll stop trying a little bit less than." So subsequently, um, start showing up less to practice, start uh, start caring a little less. Yeah, which is a bad thing, right? Because then right after that. Um, growth hormone kicks in start growing again but um, the competitiveness is like you already sort of gave it up and so in tearing down that dream it's hard really to get it back yeah and by then other other things had arisen right like like I've said priorities have changed priorities changed yeah it's all about the math now yeah <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, I was like, well, damn, if I can't be competitive in soccer, I might as well be competitive in this academic thing. Yeah. <laughs> Started enrolling in AP classes instead they, of uh, focusing like on soccer. They had a, you know, high Q. Yeah. The, yeah, they had a high Q team at my school. They had that. They had like a math Olympic stuff, all that, and I always like, I admired the people that were in it because like I had a friend that was in it, and. I always wanted to know what it would feel like to be there. Mm. It was just, I wasn't willing to put in that, that work anymore. To Or I didn't even know what putting in that work to like be able to excel and be able to compete with other people that were brilliant. And like knew a whole bunch of facts about different things. So, you know, if you're, if you have that intent and that drive in high school know that it's such a special gift to have and try to nurture that as much as possible even if the goal changes and you no longer want to do what was previously showing how brilliant you were or how smart you were or how creative you were be able to carry that drive into whatever you go into because when you come in with that momentum a lot of things or you'll figure out a lot of the questions that need to be answered a lot easier you won't be looking for someone else to answer your questions you'll be going to them and asking them and you'll know who to ask yeah makes sense that's makes all sense. I makes sense all right i mean e, e. Uh, that comes a lot with um yeah knowing who to ask um yeah i just brain farted there I feel you. I mean, we've been talking about like an hour now, so I know we got other things to do in the day. So I only got like one last question for you. All right, bro. Where can the people find you? People can find me on Instagram. I keep it private because I keep it low key. But if, uh, honestly, I'm about to make that shit public. Hey. Right? I feel like, yeah, why not? Where can people find me? People can find me on campus, man. I'll be around. If you see me, say hi. We'll have a conversation. It can be about anything for sure. If you're not on campus, find him on LinkedIn at Alejandro Hernandez. Yeah, on yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's in. the sharp-looking guy. <laughs> it's the sharp one. <laughs> no, no. Find me. You can have my Instagram. My Instagram is Ale dot the dot Leon. So A L E dot T H E dot L E O N and um yeah man go uh like my pictures and shit and i'll i'll like you back 
you heard it here first guys well it's the end of another episode we had a great chat and just like i've said in the past uh if anything resonated with you if you're able to learn something from this episode um please go like share with a friend uh i know some of you guys are shy in the comments it's okay uh show your support leave a review and let me know what i can do better or something that uh you've been able to critique me on that you don't exactly agree with so that i can help make this content better and that you can be more engaged because this is not just for me it's not just for ollie it's not for anybody i recorded this is a community where we can all share our ideas together um so this marks the end of another episode of ohm i'll see you guys in two weeks sway hey that was hard that was hard <laughs>